Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, which this week are. It is a Hungarian Grand Prix. Dominicali calls for sporting sanctions. Sonoda says that he learns from De Vries. A hash driver is set for a new contract. And Vasseur speaks out on Ferrari rivers. Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the team at the Formula Nerds. Once a week, we update you on everything you need to know from the world of Formula One. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. Now, today I'm joined by the trusty twosome, Abby and Sam. How's it going? I'll start with you, Sam. I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. Um, I've got over whatever illness I had the, the past week or so. Uh, so I'm feeling, uh, you know, when you, you're really ill and you just, you'd give anything just to get back to normal. I've now kind of, I'm getting back to normal, so I'm, I'm appreciating a lot more than I used to. How are you? <laughs> appreciating, feeling well. Yeah, I'm okay. Yes. You, you still don't sound 100%, but maybe that's just the, the graph in your voice. But. No, that's my gravelly, kind of manly yeah. voice to, to match with my uh, boyish charm and good looks. <laughs> um, Abby, how are you? I'm all good, thank you. Okay, so this weekend it is the Hungarian Grand Prix. Now, there's a few things to talk about. We've uh, obviously got F1, F2, and F3, so it's going to be quite a packed lineup uh, of motorsport action this weekend. We also see the return of Danny Ricciardo, um, who will be driving for the Alpha Tauri team after having replaced Nick de Vries. And there is a new qualifying format where we see a reduction in the amount of tyres that drivers are allowed to use. And this is due to, uh, to, well, the aim of this is to reduce the environmental impact that F1 has. Now, I'm not 100% sure how much of a difference a few tyres are going to make. Um, but what are your thoughts on the weekend coming up? Abby, I'll start with you. Are you excited to see Danny Rick um, back on the grid? Personally, I am. I did miss him when he obviously lost his McLaren seat to Piastri. I think it'll be interesting, though, because, yes, he impressed 
at Silverstone in the tyre test for Pirelli, but he was in a Red Bull car. He was in the RB19, which we all know is like in another league this season. He's then going into AlphaTauri, which is considerably different. So it's whether he can maintain that impressive performance this weekend in AlphaTauri, whether it lives up to the team standards and how he compares to Sonoda. But as you said, Ollie, it is a full weekend of all three championships, which will be very exciting because F2 and F3 are very entertaining to watch and have some quite tight championship battles this season as well. But just touching on the new tyre format, I think it would be interesting in quality because as we saw in Silverstone, some teams perform better on different compounds. For example, Lando Norris in the McLaren performed very well on the hards, whereas Carlos Sainz didn't and ended up going backwards. So it will be interesting to see how that impacts it. I don't think it will happen. It will impact it a lot, but it will certainly be intriguing for those who are interested in the very technical side of F1. And Sam, is that you? Are you interested in the very technical side of F1? What what do you, what differences do you think these uh, uh, the, these adjustments are going to make? And again, your thoughts on on Danny Rick? Well, I think to start with, actually, the environmental impact. Um, it's a couple of sets each team will, or each driver will run fewer. Uh, I think it's 13 down to 11. So, you know, extrapolate that across the grid, across the, each race, the season. It does have a, you know, there is a, a, a fairly large impact in terms of the number of tyres used. And that's not just the logistics and the shipping. That's also actually the producing and, and the construction of the tyres as well. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to see the steps there from an environmental perspective. Um, from a kind of technical perspective, yeah, there'll be some some teams that run better on the hards. Uh, I think from early in the season, Williams looked pretty good on the hards, which is interesting because obviously they're always on the cusp of... Uh, of going out in Q, Q2, uh, in Q3, uh, or getting into Q2. So th- there will be some things that we need to see there. Obviously, Hungary is a quite a specific track uh, in terms of characteristics. It's twisty, it's it's small, uh, it's kind of Monaco-esque in, in that sense without the, the walls. So expect to see certain teams perform well um, and teams that have maybe taken a step forward in recent races not being quite as strong, even if maybe you know, McLaren are stronger on the hard. So it will kind of, uh, you know, could be a, a good equaliser or a leveler out, uh, particularly in qualifying. For the Daniel Ricciardo uh, point, I, I think Abby has uh, covered a well, um, an underappreciated but important point and it's nuance that is often lost. Yes, he performed well in this Pirelli tyre test from you know uh, Red Bull accounts, but he was in the Red Bull. The AlphaTauri is a different beast. There's a whole other situation. I imagine he would have done a fair amount of simulator work, but you never it's never the same thing. He's going to get into that car for the first time on Friday, and he's going to have to get up to speed with it quickly. And that's going to be difficult because the, the characteristics of the AlphaTauri, by all accounts from those who are in the know, is that it shares a lot of characteristics with the McLaren uh, from a few years ago, which Daniel Ricciardo did struggle with because it's not as confident on entry. The, the, the rear end is a little bit more nervous and he really struggled on that entry point into corners. He couldn't quite hook it up in the way that Lando did. And that obviously corner entry is a very important part of, um, uh, of a racetrack and if you're losing time there, that's going to bleed through the rest of the corner. So he's going to have to adapt and he's going to have to kind of feel his way through Friday and, and also you know, Saturday as well. The race, I think it'll just be a case of, look, get it home, 
get some laps under your belt, build up your confidence. But I don't think we should expect huge things from him this weekend. One other point is it will be interesting to see how McLaren uh, manage that momentum that they've had from Silverstone. Uh, will they be able to continue it? And Mercedes, obviously, have they really given up now? Um, where are they going to end up with, you know, the Ferraris? And I'm sure Red Bull will just steam off into the distance. So we will obviously talk about this in the review show. Um, but moving on to the next piece of news, Domina Carly has called for sporting sanctions. Abby. He has. So at the moment, the FIA are in the process of reviewing the cost cap forms that from the teams for 2022. But Domina has now spoken out on the process about the cost cap, saying that those who are found guilty, like Red Bull and Aston Martin have been previously, of breaching the cost cap should be faced with sporting sanctions rather than financial ones. He said... The penalty, I would like the penalty to be sporting in case of infringement. It is something we asked for very clearly. There are three regulations to be respected, sporting, technical and financial. Any infractions must be punished with sporting measures. You can't go in other directions. Now, obviously, for Red Bull, they did do a procedural breach like Aston Martin in 2021, but they also did a minor overspend, which resulted in them having a 10% reduction in the wind tunnel time and also a £7 million fine, which... The general consensus with with this was that it wasn't harsh enough at the time to punish what they had done. So Domenicali has now given his views, but he is confident that it is down to the FIA, not F1, to get involved and that they can be more efficient this year. What do you guys think on that? Do you think financial punishments are good enough or should sporting ones like being removed from the championship be introduced? Financial penalties are not they don't work because you then factor it into the cost of doing business. It's very simple. In, in the American model um, of sports, you have sports caps or, or salary caps rather um, for player salaries. If you then go above the cap, which is allowed, they have certain kind of levels, but they have what's called the luxury tax. And when you get to the luxury tax, every dollar you are over that luxury tax limit, you then pay back X amount and so you factor that into the cost of doing business. So if you have a fine, you're going to see the teams with deeper pockets use that to their advantage to basically circumvent the entire cost cap. It becomes pointless by that by that stage because Haas Williams, they're going to be struggling to get to the cost cap. They're never going to do that. But these teams like, you know, so Mercedes, say Red Bull, they'll just go, okay, fine. We basically don't have a cost cap, but every pound or euro or dollar, whatever it is that we spend above X point, we're going to have to pay extra for. And they'll just do that. Because why wouldn't you? If you can afford it, you're going to do it. So that's why it needs to be uh, sporting. I was com- I was, I was going into the, the Red Bull uh, penalty, hoping that it would have an impact. But one thing we didn't actually mention in the weekend preview, Red Bull apparently have a couple of upgrades coming this weekend that they reckon could be worth two-tenths, uh, including some slightly reprofiled side pods. If they turn up with no pods... I'm going to cry if they can make the Mercedes contact work. But anyway, I digress. Um, I was hoping that the the wind tunnel penalty would have an effect. I, we're still not seeing that yet. There's going to be a lag time. There always was going to be. But I think this is, at this point, if you do it again, you've got to start docking points. 
And I think we need to look at why why is Dominicali saying this right now? It's a strange time to say it because the only breach we're aware of was was that one from Red Bull and obviously the minor one for Aston Martin. So if he shouldn't be concerned about it if everyone's playing by the rules. Maybe he has some sort of inkling that people aren't. And at the end of the day, the word is thrown around a lot. But if you're not abiding to the rules, it's cheating. Now, there is, you can argue that there is some, there's a, there needs to be a buffer there, which there is, quite frankly. But when we look at, you know, Ferrari and McLaren looking at each other's drawings back in, um, 2007 2008 time right um they nearly got banned from the sport for a year and that's a consequence of cheating so how, where does cheating and overspend um well what's the what's the line there because it's a very difficult line going back to your point only about why has he said this now rumors on social media are that at least two or three teams have overspent on the cost cap from 2022. Now, there's no confirmation of this. Obviously, the FIA is still reviewing these, but there are rumours that teams have overspent recently as well. Who could it be? Well, I guess we'll just have to find out. I, I, we'll let everyone have their own guesses as to, to to where those overspends have come from. I think everyone can kind of start to piece together where they think it might be from. But... What I find interesting is that Domenicali is very much putting the um, enforcement of the cost cap at the feet of the FIA. And I get that, right? It's you know, kind of it's in conjunction, but surely F1 has some jurisdiction and could take some responsibility for how punishments or the cost cap or whatever the actual kind of you know running of that rule and that leg- that regulation surely they can take some kind of accountability for that and run the table a little bit uh, to ensure that it is abided by. I think I totally agree with you, Sam, because F1 as a commercial rights holder, right, if there is overspend or there is you know drama brought to their sport that affects the sport, right, it's affecting them. Yes, it's for the FIA as the governing body. However, F1 own it, right? I, I totally agree with you. Does this, does this kind of fall under the kind of there's no such thing as bad press yeah kind of the remit are, are they maybe a little bit like you know what we don't mind the stories we need a villain mm. yeah and it's, it's, to me the can also look back reading. now and say told you so well yeah completely um okay right moving on to our next story um sam Snowder has spoken out saying well publicly backing De Vries saying that he learned a lot from him um what did what's the story and what did you take from it yes so obviously um the axing of Nick De Vries is still fairly raw we're a week on um so starting to come to terms with it but we are now starting to have um news pieces filtered through particularly on on certain drivers and, and their views Yuki Snowder being an obvious place to start having been teammates with De Vries for 10 races um he actually has some really nice things to say about him which I think is 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 lovely because um it, he could have just very easily stayed quiet and thought you know what I need to look after my place in the team. I'm up for contract renewal. I'm, you know, I've got one eye on the Red Bull seat. Um, but he's come out and said that he had a really enjoyable time the past 10 races with Nick. Uh, I learned from him and we also had a good time away from the track. He had plenty of experience in other categories and gave te- the team good feedback based on his knowledge. He had the pace and as a friend, I enjoyed my time with him. So I think that's actually really telling of how 
what what kind of I don't think obsessing is the word, but what a disappointing episode this has been for both Nick DeVries and Alpha Tauri, and also F1 generally. You've got a driver who ha- is a former F2 champion. He's also a Formula a Formula E champion as well. So he has won at you know the the highest level of motorsport in that sense. It's an FIA World Championship, and he just couldn't make it work for whatever reason. But uh, to hear Yuki acknowledge the experience that he has been able to bring to the team and that outside perspective from other you know racing categories, I think is really important. And yeah, it's I think it's a vote of confidence for Nick when he needs one uh, because you know very easily you've forgotten F one. Yeah, and I was listening to the interview with uh, Christian Horner early this week where he was talking about the the sort of the scenario of of De Vries leaving. And he was saying it was clear that he was not going to be fast enough. I think it's we all know um, Christian Horner wasn't publicly backing him from day one. It was um, Dr. Marco who put him in the car. It was also Dr. Marco who made the call to fire him. Um, but Horner was saying, you know, when asked why now, he said, "Well, why leave it? He wasn't fast enough. There was it, it was never going to work out. So so." Why prolong it? And he was even asked about why didn't they leave it to the Dutch Grand Prix? And, and I can't remember the exact words he used, but it was along the lines of, it's not about emotions. This is about having the, the right driver in the car. And to hear Sonoda come out and say, yeah, actually he did bring stuff to the team, you know, where Horner had quite quite brutally dismissed it uh, and, you know, his contributions. Yes, he thanked him in the sort of corporate manner. But to hear this and for Sonoda to be allowed to say this as well, let's not forget, um, you know, the, the media training that everyone has. I, I quite like this. Well, I think on on the point about leaving the freeze in the car, uh, so he gets his home race. There's no space for being sentimental in F1, and also you can look on the flip side of that. That's kind of insulting. You're not good enough. You know, you know, we've made that clear publicly multiple times, brutally so. Um, but we'll leave you in the car for for your home Grand Prix as a kind of pity kind of gesture. I don't think Nick would have appreciated. I don't think you'd want it that way. So, and obviously I don't know Nick, you know, I've interviewed him yet, but I don't know him. Um, So it's, you, I think it's, what I'm trying to say is that it's, it would be the wrong way to treat him. And also if you need, as he said, if you want to make a change, you're going to make the change. Why, why wait? I, I get it. I think the argument though, is that he needed more time. Yes, but I think they weren't seeing that improvement. It wasn't an upward kind of trajectory. It was he was on a level. Maybe he needed more time for, to make a jump in performance. But unfortunately, they decided that that wasn't the way they wanted to go. Abby, do you think more time would have helped him? I mean, we could go round in circles on this. I know we've spoken about it on the last show. Um, but have you heard the Horner interview? And what sort of what did he take from it? I haven't heard it, but from what you've just said, it just like breeds Red Bull and the mentality that they have. F1 is the elite of motorsport and Red Bull are notoriously not, they're hard on their drivers. They want what's like, they want the best from them. And it was clear that DeVries wasn't performing, especially against Sonoda. However, I do think that they could have left it until the summer break as they had initially planned because Helmut Marco had said, we're going to give Nick these four races to see if he can improve and then decide. But they didn't. They based it off of one tyre test in the Red Bull car of Ricardo, 
and made their decision. And Nick today, he's spoken out on social media. It's his first posts or first comments since the sacking of him. And he said he'd like to thank Red Bull and Alpha Tauri for the opportunity to live his dream. Of course, it hurts that the F1 chance he's dreamed of for so long ended prematurely. But life is not a destination. It's a journey. And sometimes you have to take the hard road to get where you want to be. It is very sad and it is heartbreaking that he's left. But Red Bull were always going to make this decision. And like you say, Sam, keeping him in just for the sake of pity and being like, oh, it's okay. We'll keep you in for a couple more races so you can drive your home race. That's not the right decision. So they've made their decision and that's that. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's yeah, two two really key key bits in there that is is why it's maybe ruffled feathers. Because, yeah, the writing wasn't the book was on the wall already but it's that we'll give him four races but then actually then giving two and it being based off as you say one tire test um which if this doesn't work out with daniel ricardo i mean everyone's gonna be looking at red bull going look consequences of your actions <laughs> you know you didn't you, you, you took one driver out because he's underperforming you put another driver in who you just didn't have enough of a sample set on and has He's a very different driver and has had very different experiences from when he was from when he was last in your team. You've put him in and he's underperformed. That, that that's the way it goes. But Red Bull is the type of environment that will make you or break you. We've seen this before, and it breaks more than it makes. But you only need to make one, and they've made Max Verstappen. And could Max Verstappen be the? Would he have been the driver that he is had he say gone to Ferrari or Mercedes? We're never going to know. But what we do know is that he is, at the moment, the best racing driver in the world. He is a step clear of anyone else he's competing against. And that's all that Red Bull ultimately need. He's bringing home Constructors' Championships for them. He's bringing home the Drivers' Championship. So you can't really argue with their strategy. It is working. But there is more contract talk. So we are really getting into the silly season now. Um, Abby, where, where, what, where is the contract talk today? It is at Haas, specifically with Nico Hülkenberg. So obviously Hülkenberg returned to F1 after three years out for full-time race seat for 2023 partnering Kevin Magnussen. And he initially only signed a one-year deal with the team. But Günther Steiner is very impressed with Hülkenberg's performance so far this season. He has nine points, whilst Magnussen only has two. And he has managed to get into Q3 a couple of times as well. So Steiner has said, the new contract will be worked on soon. Gene Haas is coming to the races in Belgium and Hungary. We've already talked about the contract, but it's better to do it in person than by phone or video. The new contract won't be long in coming. It's coming and we hope to get it done as soon as possible to be able to announce a new deal because we are very happy with Nico. And he also admitted that he was surprised by Hulkenberg's performance this year, saying that I didn't expect him to be in such a good shape right away. He hadn't been a full-time driver for three years, but he came in here and it clicked right away. We knew he was good, but we didn't see that he would be in such a good shape immediately. So the general consensus is Hulkenberg is here to say because he has impressed Haas immensely. And I think that's absolutely fair. And Magnuson's had a few unlucky moments. Yeah, he, he, as some may say, he creates his own luck. But the two has drivers, they're doing what they need to do. And I think, you know, the return of Hulkenberg was uh, such a big story. Should he be here? Should it be a younger driver? Uh, should, there, should there be new talent coming through? But Hulkenberg's proven 
you can have two two seasons out of the car and come back and and still be on it, you know. Um, and everyone's saying, "Oh, will will Daniel Ricciardo still have it?" He's only been out for a few races. Um, I think Hulkenberg, yeah, he's earned his seat in the Haas team. I wouldn't see any reason for them to, to to swap him out at this time. He's exactly what they need. He's an experienced driver, and personally, I wouldn't swap K Mag either. What, what, what would you do, Sam? Oh, why have you asked me that? Um... Well, I think on, on the Hogenberg thing, that makes sense. He's coming. He's 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 shocked us all. Really, very few people would be like, "Yeah, this is the, the level he's going to be at." Uh, immediately uh, has had the measure of Kevin, um, which I don't think people were expecting. I think it's it's whether or not Haas are done with the experience and experience pairing. Have they steadied the ship enough in one season for them to go? You know what? let's try a younger driver. Let's bring some more youth back in and have a more balanced relationship within the team. I think probably not. I think probably keep hold of of Kevin for another year, but I think Kevin does need to up his game. I don't think he's, he's doing badly enough that you go, yeah, he's out. There's a clear kind of, you know, uh, lack of performance and pace there, but he's also not doing enough to be like, oh, he's, we can't possibly lose him. Kevin, this is what this is saying is that if we are going to make a change, it's going to be Kevin, uh, obviously. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't make that change yet, but there are a lot of people that are, going to, are coming through that will be nipping at the heels. There's not enough F1 seats. We know that. And we know that even, you know, people like Mick Schumacher in that environment, Haas is a difficult environment for a young driver and he didn't have the confidence. Maybe he was worn down by the team. Uh, so it's a difficult first gig. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, it makes sense to keep Magnussen at least for another season. It does feel like, um, like Hulkenberg is like that cool, calm, consistent driver. Whereas Kevin's almost that younger driver where he goes into, he, he goes into battles that he shouldn't be having. And it's only going to end one way. Dabby, do you, do you sort of see what I mean? Kevin is that younger, more risky. I don't give a sort of driver. Yeah, I do. And Hockenberg surprised me as well, but there is a clear difference between both of them in performance. And just with Magnuson, congratulations on your new baby baby daughter, I think it was, um, who was born this week. But yeah, Hockenberg has seriously impressed. And I think with Magnuson, his contract was a multi-year deal with an option for 2024. So I know I was umming and ahhing whether having both of them partnering together in the same team to experienced drivers was the right move. Certainly looks like it has have improved. I would keep them because they seem to be working well. They both seem to thrive within the environment of Haas and with that car. But yeah, it will be interesting to see when Magnussen's contract is up, whether they do renew him or whether they do go for a younger driver. Like you say, Sam, it can be difficult for a younger driver to move into Haas because of the team that it is. But yeah, it will certainly be one to watch. And this is kind of actually where, although they don't have balance in terms of experience versus uh, fresh, young, you know, whatever, um, there is balance in in both Hulkenberg and Magnussen's approach. Magnussen will shine bright at various points, that P5 on return uh, in Bahrain last year, for example, or the pole in, uh, in Brazil, obviously slightly fortunate um, in some ways. But Nico is that more consistent operator 
And I think that's where they maybe were turned off from experience in the past, was that Kevin and Roman Grosjean are both those kind of, every now and again, we're going to pull, pull out a, a, a P4 or a P5, and you're going to be like, oh, great. But there, there will be mistakes and there'll be poor performances where where the level isn't there. Whereas Nico, I think, is there or thereabouts every weekend. So continuing the sort of the driver rumours, um, Sam Vasseur, the Ferrari team principal, he has now spoken out on some of these rumours. Uh, what did he have to say? Yes, yeah, so there is a, a particular rumour that has done the rounds this week, which um, kind of came from nowhere, a bit of a surprise. Uh, and I will we'll get to that. But first, let's address the uh, the actual Ferrari drivers for now, because there have been rumours surrounding those two as well. Um Charles Leclerc has been linked to Mercedes. He's been linked to now Red Bull. Also Aston Martin in, in, in the past. And I'm not sure how that works logistically given Lance Stroll was occupying one seat and Fernando Alonso is performing, probably the second best performer over the season so far. So why would you take him out of the situation until he wants to leave? Um, but so he's been kind of linked to those teams. It seems like a bit of a pull. Leclerc is obviously very, very talented. Those teams want to bring him in uh, to the lineup. Carlos Sainz has been linked to Audi. But is that more of a push factor? Is that Carlos Sainz isn't performing to Ferrari standards? Because he looks better the last couple of races, but there have been points in the season and also early last year as well, where he just wasn't looking like he was cutting it, uh, which was a shame because he did look so strong in his first year of Ferrari. But onto the actual rumour that has taken me a little bit uh, unawares is that Alex Albon has been linked with the Ferrari seat moving forward. Fred Vasseur has denied all knowledge of this, um, and he has said... I don't know where this story came from. I've run Albon in the past and with friends. If a reporter asked me if Alex is currently doing a good job, I would say yes, but that doesn't mean I'm interested in taking him. We know what F1 is like. We know how silly, silly season can be. You can't ever put too much credit into people's words. You know, before you were saying about, oh yeah, there'll be Max and Sergio in the Red Bull next season. We won't know until we get to Bahrain in 2024 if that is actually the case and, th and this is true as well Alex Albon has been in a top team before I think a couple of things knocked his confidence and it kind of spiraled from there and those two things were the two Lewis Hamilton incidents let's not be uh, shy about this in Brazil, uh, the end of uh, Alex's first season with Red Bull, or first half season with Red Bull, and then the, I think it was the very next race, um, the re COVID return in Austria, where Lewis again took him out from a podium-paying position, a race that Alex really could have won. So that kind of knocks his confidence, but I think he is showing at Williams that he is good enough to be in a top drive. So Ferrari could be one of those options. So I don't know, guys, do you think that there's something to this? Do you think there should be something to this, actually, more crucially? I think there's more chance of Lewis Hamilton going to Ferrari than Alex Albon. Um, I think the, the, the fact that we're all discussing uh, the Ferrari lineup just shows how uncertain that team is. And actually, you know how, Sam, you were just saying, Ferrari may be questioning Sainz's uh, performance at the moment. I think both of those drivers are questioning Ferrari's performance at the moment. And I think we're looking at it the wrong way around because they've got what is, you know, potentially a race winning car, um, given a, a few tweaks here and there, but they've got a team that just can't do it. And they've got Charles Leclerc, who has been, you know, 
uh, touted as a world champion for so many years now, who's just not getting there. So if he's going to move, it's not because Ferrari want him to move. I think, quite frankly, they should be happy to have Carlos Sainz at the moment and be doing everything to keep him. I said it on the on the last race review. Ferrari aren't pulling their weight for the two drivers that they have. I don't think they'd be racing for that team if it wasn't called Ferrari. And Vasseur has said that he was clear with the team at the beginning of the season and with the drivers. He needs to get to know the team first. That is his first concern, getting to know the team, not trying to figure out whether the drivers are going to stay there and doing new contracts for them, which I think is telling. I think there are a lot of issues inside Ferrari internally within the widespread team of Ferrari because the two drivers are very good. We've seen them win races. As you said, Oli, Leclerc has been dubbed a world championship, future world champion, but it isn't looking like he'll ever achieve achieve that at the moment with Albon he has been doing very well he has been exceeding we all know that I can't see him going to Ferrari I think for me he he's thriving at Williams at the moment so I think he needs to have at least another season there before looking at top teams he is very much talented and skilled enough to be in a top team but I think at the moment he should stay where he is because he is doing so well there and yes Williams aren't a top team they're within the midfield kind of further up than they have been in the past higher than both alphas and Haas so he is getting eyes on him and he is impressing and showing what he can do and I think that's what he should be focusing on at the moment yeah I agree with you Abby and I think these rumors are only going to continue for Ferrari and I think it's a case of it's not Ferrari trying to bring in a new driver it's actually them more worried about uh, losing their drivers and then who's going to subsequently take their place but um, Alex Albon at Williams Sam would you agree is exactly the right place for certainly for now I think it's a very good environment for him I think James Faust has come in identified some some serious deficiencies within the team that have, have gone unchecked for a couple of decades in some certain areas. And Alex is clearly a confidence driver, as I kind of touched on before, and he's building up his confidence. He looks at home. He, he's looking like he's not, maybe out. Yeah, I'd say probably outperforming the car. He is doing well. And why why remove yourself from that situation when before you need to um he you know, i think he does have a contract for williams next year so it, this is maybe a downstream pro- pro- good problem uh, for alex to have as to when he makes that step because i can't see williams making that step themselves so alex may have to move up the grid unless he wants to kind of yeah be there or thereabouts for for the next few years um but yeah he, he's looking like the driver that we saw in his first season, the first half a season at Toro Rosso. Absolutely. And we did see that, you know, uh, Williams was a great place for George Russell as well. He was there a little bit longer than he wanted to be, but that seems to be paying off now. So um, maybe the return of Alex Albon will uh, take place in the next few years. But that is about all we've got time for today. Uh, So thank you very much for joining me, Abby and Sam. Thank you. Thank you for having us as always. Yes, it was very enjoyable. Tell, tell your voice that. 
I'm sorry. I'd, uh, I was conscious of my voice from earlier, um, and I don't want to mention my uh, my boyish charm and good looks again. So, <laughs> well, thank you for listening. Be sure to head over to FormulaNose.com and all the Formula Nose socials to find out the latest on these and any other stories. But until then, we will see you for the Hungarian Grand Prix review. Goodbye. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out, and away we go! Sports Social Podcast Network.